All right, hopefully uh, everybody's getting ready for the holidays. Got a Rams game coming up tonight. Got a Lakers game coming up tonight. So a lot going on in the sports world. Em, I'm going to let you kind of tee, tee off on this one. So you were just – give me the comparison you were trying to make. The Lakers are certainly struggling. They're 1-4 and four in their last five. The Clippers mm-hmm. have won nine games in a row. Right. What, what were you referencing right there? Right, so do you, tr- do you trust the streak of the Clippers – to be who they are right now, that they are this good, that they are on a nine-game win streak, that this is who they are? Or do you trust that Lakers right now um, being on their stri- on their poor streak is more who they are? So which do you think is more who this team is? The Clippers being very good right now on this streak or the Lakers not being so good? Okay, this one's actually kind of easy for me. Uh, look, we saw the Lakers get to the Western Conference Finals last year. And we saw them go on a run, and I don't think it was a Fugazi, right, as we always kind of try to reference. I I think it was, hey, they got two of the best players, the top ten players in the NBA. They have role players that understand their role. They got great height, length, wingspan, guys that can guard multiple positions. I still think that's going to come to fruition and I still believe that the Lakers will figure things out. I hate where they're sitting. I hate that this this five-game stretch has been confusing. The in-season tournament, the the effort that went towards the in-season tournament to see what's happening now, you're asking yourself, why are they tired because of that? I, I, I'm not crazy about the position that the Lakers are in, but the Clippers have done it in such a short sample size. The nine games in a row is amazing. That's inc- Anytime you win nine games in a row in the NBA – um, I'm not taking that lightly, but I still feel very confident that the Lakers will eventually be a part of the mix when the dust settles. Yeah, I basically agree with you, in part because I think the Lakers just aren't this bad, and I think it could take maybe a few more games before they get their win back, You know, hopefully get all their players back and playing with everybody on a regular basis, but I just don't think they are this bad of a team, and I think the gap between who – they likely will be and where they are right now is bigger than whatever gap you think exists between whoever the real Clippers are and how they're playing right now. That being said, if you look at the Clippers, most of the doubt for what they could be resided in either health, which nobody has any true control over. You know, sometimes I think it's difficult for the Clippers to manage Kawhi just because that stuff can be in secrecy and maybe just the idea of the league putting this emphasis on no, just get out there and play and just putting more of a premium on that. As much as I know Kawhi and Paul George kind of chafed against that in the beginning, it does seem to have created an impetus. But also, too, like on paper, if there was no health and there were no egos involved and you just said, make the talent work, there's a lot of talent for the Clippers to to work with. You know what I mean? Like you have to figure out the puzzle. Hmm. And again, there there's egos, there's personalities to manage, and that stuff matters. And it's stuff that really could become important in the playoffs. But the actual talent exists. And talent matters. Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Lakers schedule right now coming up with what they got. This might be in who knows? We'll, we'll find out. It might change just because this is how the NBA works. This might be, as far as the timing goes, 
the toughest three-game stretch that they might have all year. You're at Minnesota, the best record in the Western Conference. You're at OKC on Saturday, um, the second-best record in the West. And even the Celtics, who they'll play on Christmas, I don't know how long Tatum's going to be out. I know he turned an ankle against the Warriors. They went to Sacramento yesterday and blew the Kings out like they didn't even exist. It just kind of shows their depth, how many different players that they have. Um, Timing of where where the Lakers are sitting right now, not exactly the best position to be in, and it's not going to get all that much easier with LeBron out, with Gabe Vincent out, and then potentially Anthony Davis out tonight as well. Uh, so certainly things are, are going to be interesting here over the next uh, couple of weeks, AK. No, this is the worst time for the Lakers to be dealing with yet more lacking continuity, like yet more guys missing, yet more disruptions. Mm-hmm. They need everybody together so they can start getting reps with whatever this rotation is going to look like. As, as much as I hear from Laker fans all the time, Sure. who are unhappy with Darvin, unhappy with his rotations. There are decisions that he makes that sometimes I don't quite understand. But in fairness to Darvin, I get a really strong sense that he is not settled on what he wants the rotation to be. And at least some of that is because he hasn't had enough of the same guys game in, game out basis to truly make up his mind. It's not all of it, but I do think that is a piece of it. Yeah, I think we both interact with enough Laker fans to where if they can have like a rotation of 15 different head coaches <laughs> and at any time after a game or maybe in the middle of like the second quarter when a team goes on a 9 nothing run, then you could just instantly say that coach is gone and then you could put a different coach yeah, in. Yeah, they, they really believe Darvin has like 15 timeouts per half <laughs> that he can just call whenever he wants. As a lay person when I'm watching basketball, I'm not like as attuned to every little detail as you guys are because you guys watch it all the time and you're, you're really ingrained. So what is the biggest things that a coach has influence over when I'm watching a game? Is it is it the timeouts that he uses? Is it the rotations? Because... Like, I feel like there's people, again, like you said, that are blaming Darvin for all these certain things, but what do they really have control over? Okay, I'll say this, AK. I'll say that the thing that is very clear for me watching Darvin Ham coach over the last almost year and a half, his players play for him. And that that you can't really say, um, that's not always the case in sports, but you'll never question, at least up to this point, is the message coming across? Do they respect him? Are they playing hard for him? I think that for me is probably the thing I notice most with Darvin Ham. The guys, they play for him. And there is no question about if he says something, they're on board. Um, some of the other parts of it, listen, there, there are times where it's just as simple as the Lakers sometimes catch themselves taking 40, 45 threes in a game. And I'm like, what? what? Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, and the rest of these guys are not on this team. Can we simplify it? Michael always says, and how many of those keys to the game or something like that, Michael will say, just be more of a team that's not as dependent on threes. Go out of your way if you're a head coach to say, guys, it's not falling today. Can we sit in the paint a little bit? Can we can we be a little bit smarter with our shot selection? I think there are a, a bunch of things, but those are some of the things that pop out. Yeah, today. I think big picture, Emily, it is the buy-in that Allen's talking about because it's a long season And in a lot of ways, your goal as a coach in professional sports is keeping grown millionaires from killing each other. Like, I mean, you you have a lot of very, you know, you have a lot of very 
empowered athletes with a lot of juice and a lot of clout and a lot of earned ego. Of course. And getting, in their own interests. Right. And getting everybody on the same page is not easy. And that is a big goal, big picture. Small picture, it is some of the details Alan's talking about. And like the idea of how many threes they take, they need to take a certain amount of them because the math doesn't work in your favor. Or if you're going to be if you're going to be taking more twos, and the Lakers are typically a more two-centric team, you need to make the most of those shots. Like you need to make sure you're getting enough shots up. Like I don't think they get into their sets quick enough. Like I don't think they generate enough possessions for themselves, whether initially or second chance opportunities. And like if That's what Dar- Derek Fisher was saying too, because he was saying you can't win games in the NBA when you score 108 points. It's just right. not going to be what's happening. Well, Fish actually after the game yesterday talked about how you watched the Bulls, and this also in some ways feels like an indictment of Zach Levine, but the ball just whips around. Yeah. And like they had eight guys in double figures, and it's in part because of the things the Lakers weren't doing defensively. But also, too, like the ball, you know, Mike D'Antoni used to always say the ball finds energy. And the ball moves moved around yesterday a lot against the Lakers. The Lakers take forever to get into their sets. They either run super slow or they run kind of just chaos helter-skelter that feels like they're making it up as they go. The offense feels rudderless. And whatever they do, whether it's the amount of threes, twos, whatever, that feels like something Darwin needs to drill down more on these guys. Like, like they almost need to get back to basics. What are you doing when you're out there on offense? Like de- mm-hmm. defensively, I think he's found something that when they have everybody together, it works well. But offensively, and th- frankly, this is something that has been not really working well under Vogel or under Ham during the LeBron AD era. The offense has not been consistently as prolific as you would think it would be with the foundation of those two yeah I, listen I, and, and it's a good question I, I think I always ask when Laker fans are complaining about someone Darvin Ham I always ask like give me more specifics like give me the specifics I, okay I get it I understand something's bothering you and I, it's fair it's not like Darvin Ham is perfect or the Lakers have been perfect uh, any stretch of the imagination I, I want to get into this real quick AK um, so Switch gears here to Dodgers baseball, and it's been quiet since they, you know, obviously they signed Shohei Otani, and um, earlier in the week, it was actually late last week, is when they trade for Glass now, and you just brought an ace to the squad, and you're paying him $135, $136 million over the course of five years. We know what uh, what the details are for Shohei Otani. Yoshinobu Yamamoto was a name that, Right after they signed um, Shohei, there was a lot of conversations. Hey, what is this guy going to eventually get paid? Then you find out that there's a meeting at Dodger Stadium that includes Shohei, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Will Smith is there, and it's kind of gone quiet. And I know the the Yamamoto, it's because he's basically been pitched by every big market team that you could think of. He's probably going to make... If it's not $300 million, it's going to be close to 300 and it's going to be 10 years guaranteed. Buster Olney had an article today in ESPN and says that it's coming down, he feels like, to the Yankees against the Mets. We, we spent just like a brief second on this last week. Do you think any of this comes down to for Yomamoto? Hey, 
if I'm going to go somewhere, do I want to be in Shohei's shadow, or does that have nothing you think to do with it? But he can be in the top market in the country with the Mets or the Yankees, one of the most prestigious franchises in all sports with the Yankees. But he could also do that in L.A. I, I don't, I, I'm trying to think of, is there any downside to him being in L.A. because Shohei is here, and, and in a sense you're always going to be behind the scenes because of Shohei? It depends on what he wants. I mean, like, and similar to how none of us really have a feel for who Otani is as a person other than he likes to keep everything super, super secret. It seems like he just wants his public persona to be about baseball. And, and he's a cute baseball. dog. Right. He's an adorable dog that- mm-hmm. I, May or may not be called Decopin. He's lying. He's <laughs> yeah, absolutely he's definitely 100% lying. But, that, that's yeah. trolling is what he's doing. Right. But I, I have no idea what Yamamoto wants. Like, does he want to be front and center? Yeah. Does he is he cool with the idea of like you're paying attention to eleven different Dodgers and I only get a certain amount of spotlight that that might be an appeal. But to that's him. the Yankees too. You're gonna have Juan Soto on the team. He might not be. He's not even gonna be the ace of the Yankees. The ace of the Yankees is Garrett Cole, who won the Cy Young last year. Okay, so it's like Yamamoto would be the ace of this next year of Dodgers baseball. It's Probably funny. not after that. It's it's, it's M. You're not wrong there. But when I say the attention, what I'm referring to is more Shohei, right? That Shohei is the most popular player, not just in baseball. He's one of the most popular athletes in sports. He's certainly the most popular athlete in Japan. He's the biggest star in baseball right now. He's I mean, the biggest star in baseball. Does Does Yamamoto, I'm not even talking about Yamamoto sharing time with Mookie and Freddie and some of the other players that they have. And I, and I see what you're saying about Juan Soto, Garrett Cole. I'm talking more about... I'm judge. I, I'm talking more about he owns the Yankees for Japan the way Shohei Otani owns the dot. Shohei's not a good example because he literally owns all of all of baseball right now, so it's a little bit different. But he kind of – he will become secondary to Shohei in LA. I mean, the, the truth is none of us have any idea. And, like, we're, we're so accustomed to the idea of athletes always looking to build their brand in every single way possible – that when you get somebody like Otani, who, yep. you know, he ultimately ended up choosing the Dodgers, but he doesn't seem interested in going out of his way to build brand in the way we see most athletes, you know, who they all have a podcast now. They all social have social media, yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. we don't necessarily know what to do or how to predict the athletes that we don't know about their interest there. Like I have no, like Yam- Yamamoto may love the spotlight. He may look. He may make Otani look like a spotlight hog. Like I have, I have no idea. I don't. But also, point. if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna avoid the spotlight, you're not going to L.A. or New York. You're gonna go to that's Toronto or Kansas City or that's whatever. A really so either good way, point if, if those are the between the two things, you're gonna get the spotlight either way. You're gonna get a ton of pub either way. In New York, Yamamoto is going to be very much. Maybe he beloved. goes to the Blue Jays. Yeah, he could go to the Blue Jays, and he would be their ace, and it would be great. But I, I think, actually yeah. heard he's on a flight right now. Oh really? <laughs> you're on Flight <laughs> Tracker on Reddit. Toronto. Check he's where the Shark Tank right guy now. is. Yeah, yeah, where Cuban is. <laughs> Someone else. Um, well, and, and let's see how it all pans out. And here's the bottom line: if they get Yamamoto, I think M, you make a, a good point of he's coming in here. He's going to be the ace. Um, the the Dodgers. I mean, 
they're not desperate for pitching, but they need more pitching. So if it's not Yamamoto, they're going to try to address it in other ways. And if he ends up in New York, then he's got his own platform on the on the East Coast and representing one of the other big franchises. Um, okay, we got college football corner coming up next. Plus, Lincoln Riley. Is he making more excuses? There's a quote that I want to read. We'll get to that coming up next as well. Stay right here. Travis and Sleeva Show, 710 ESPN. All right, you hear that music? You know it's oh, time yeah. for the college football corner, y'all. It's time. We got more bowl games today. So I actually made a mistake yesterday. The bowl game that was I said was yesterday is actually today. Even more hype. <laughs> it's the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl between USF uh, and Syracuse. So lovely game. If you uh, want to get some action on that, you should go check that out. It's in Boca Raton, Florida, and it's at 5 p.m. Pacific time. But... So that's great. That's a uh, uh, whole game today. Just so you know, Am, yeah. AK puts big money on of this course. game. Isn't this tradition, AK, for you? Oh, yeah. yeah. The Boca the, Raton Bowl. The roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl is your bowl game every year. Del Boca Vista. <laughs> and again, so every after every bowl game, they like usually have a Gatorade full of whatever that sponsor is. So it's Cheez-Its, it's coffee, it's whatever. Do it's they Bacardi. Just, do they drop a roof on these people? I don't really know what the roofclaim.com bowl would do uh, after the winning. But... Um, another bowl game news. Uh, Mac Brown, who is the coach of UNC, uh, talked about how NC State's coach had some harsh words for his team uh, after they played. So I'm going to play it right now. Uh, this is Mac Brown. In our last ball game <clears throat> with a rival school, after the game, the, the head coach of that school called our players a piece of shit, And I apologize for that language. But I've never heard something like that before. And I'm disappointed. Uh, I thought it was classless. Uh, it's not true. Uh, number one, we didn't play well in the game. We didn't coach well in the game. It's been very well documented, and I got that. Uh, but you don't call kids a piece of <laughs> I've addressed it with our team. I apologize to them. Uh, these kids are one of the top academic groups in America. They got an award for AFCA's top 13. Um, they've won a coastal division. They, they've won a bunch of games. They, they've been to an Orange Bowl, been to five straight bowls. They represent us well. And from me speaking for them and their parents, they really didn't appreciate uh, being called a piece of <laughs> Never heard that before. All right, so that's Mac Brown talking about NC State. And also, okay, one thing, too. You're, if you're NC State, you can't be saying this. You can't be saying this regardless if you're talking about kids playing football. should not be talking about this. But especially if you're NC State, you don't have legs to stand on in order to say that about other people. So I just had that I popped up in my ESPN feed and I needed to talk about it. So my college football corner and all the coverage of bowl season on 710 is powered by Valvoline Instant Oil Change, home with the 15-minute drive through oil change. Visit SoCal Oil Change for locations and to score game-winning coupons today. There you have it. Thank you, yep. uh, thank you, Emily. There, yeah, it, it's kind of. I think we're all waiting for the the big games, but any of these games on in the background, yeah, I'm fine with it. Right? It, it's not. It, it's free football. It's there yeah. for fun. It sometimes can have. It's not free for comment. me. I got five grand on the game. <laughs> okay. Yes, you, you're sweating it out. Sweating mm-hmm. out for your kiddos. But uh, yeah, uh, okay. kiddo, kiddo, <laughs> oh, sorry, kiddo, singular. I thought uh, oh, I was including okay. your dog. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yesterday was also, or like this week is ongoing. Kind of it's early signing period for yep. uh, college, fo- college football of these kids that come out of college that can go sign places. And USC was not terrible in this opening period, but w- did not have as many big head-changing um, moves being made with these kids. So I'm going I'm to read a quote here, and that's a good setup because I, I think it's interesting, AK, and, and 
you're somebody that went to USC. You're somebody that is invested in wanting to see the program do well. I think everybody was very excited when Lincoln Riley was announced head coach of the University of Southern California. It's like, oh, wow, they're back. And I'm going to read a quote here, but I also just want to get your thoughts of the state of the program and how you feel over these next couple of years, where you think it's going to go. So Lincoln Riley was asked a question about recruiting some of these unbelievable athletes in Southern California, uh, California just in general. He said, people have to realize we're not in the Pac-12 anymore. Those days are over. Look where we're playing. Look at the competition that we're playing. Look where the majority of our conference lies. And that along with there's just a lot of changes in college football in general. Um, I mean, no state of players is just staying home like they used to. And I listen, I, I get what he's saying. What he's, what he's starting to say is that college football is not regional anymore. It's not just a, hey, just try to find people in your backyard. Now, I would argue that, and I don't believe this is the case, and I hope for SC fans that this is not the case, if Lincoln Riley is not turning every rock in Southern California and making sure that these four-star and five-star athletes aren't at least looking at USC, I would tell you that there's a mistake because there are so many great athletes here in Southern California. Um, But I think overall, I don't know if this is the right perception to have, but it's my perception of Lincoln Riley, especially this season. I think there's a lot of excuses that have come from Riley, that there's a lot of, well, you know, if this just would have went that way and this would have, oh, we were two plays away. We're two plays away. We're playing in the best conference in all of college football that um, I I feel like, and again, I don't know if this is an excuse talking about what they've got, what they haven't got, but what's your view on not just this quote, but I think what your expectations were and where the program is sitting right now. Well, when I look at the full quote, I don't think this was an excuse from Lincoln Riley at all. I think it was an explanation as to why future teams may not be so California-centric or specifically Southern California-centric in terms of recruiting the players. Like, if anything, it sounds like he's saying without coming out and saying it, I think they put too much emphasis on California and Southern California, and I think we need to do more of a job of recruiting outside of California. So unless you mean like he he's making an excuse for the previous rosters, I guess, but otherwise it didn't sound like it was an excuse moving forward. If it, it sounded to me more like Riley explaining why the rosters and the recruitment methodology and demographics might be different. That's That's the way I read it. That being said... I have wondered before, like when when USC got Lincoln Riley, it was a big deal in part because there was this perception that Lincoln Riley was this incredible coach and, you know, an offensive mastermind, quarterback guru, whisperer, yep. all that stuff. But also, too, there was this sense of holy bleep, USC got him? Like USC had been in such a down period that even though it's USC, like there had been a lot of pessimism, like the idea that USC would be able to get a coach of Lincoln Riley's status Mm -hmm. at that point. There's been a part of me wondering, especially when I hear, like, you know, it's it's Twitter, so take everything on Twitter with a grain of salt, but you hear from Oklahoma fans who are like, see, this is the Lincoln Riley we all knew about, and y'all got taken 
by the shiny object. And once you look under the hood more, you see some of the problems that we were all complaining about when he was with Oklahoma. There's a part of me that has wondered, did USC get so excited just at the prospect of being able to get this guy? Like that USC still meant enough, you know, that it had the prestige to get a Lincoln Riley that maybe they got a little too excited at the prospect of committing, what is it, 10 years to him? Yeah, their defense, his defenses have always been terrible. So he's always had great quarterback play. He's always had great offenses. That's not something anyone has ever complained about with Lincoln right. Riley. But he has always had a very tight ship here and at Oklahoma. He's always been very, um, uh, not like combative, but is it really opening well, he's up he's definitely the, been combative here. But to the media. Where he wants to, you know, not explain Control too much everything. to be yep. to be um, a little defensive to the media at any at any loss, and he tends to just again, Oklahoma fans say this, but he runs at the first sign of adversity. His first bad season, and then also moving to the SEC from the uh, for Oklahoma, he ran and ran to USC's arms. Well, I, I I would say this, AK. I mean, listen, his personality is his personality, and if that's you know if he's going to have. Uh, he wants to control everything that that comes out of the school and that comes out of the football. Uh, that stuff. All right, everybody's I mean, that's most have, coaches, to be honest. They're I was going to say everybody first. can have their opinion on that. Where my biggest issue with Lincoln Riley this year is when he was trying to sell. He was trying to sell that hey, we're a player or two away from still being undefeated or being in that Pac-12 championship. I know it, it, it complete. They lost five of their last six games. Um, and that's not including the overtime game against Arizona, the one-score game against Colorado, the one-score in the fourth quarter in the fourth quarter against Arizona State, the Cal game that you're talking about, M, the fifty to forty-nine game. Ultimately, you could kind of say whatever you want if you're winning, and and I'm not I'm not saying that it's okay, but typically if you're winning, you could get away with a lot more. And I think that's my main question for you, AK is do you see that a year from now the conversation we're going to be having about Lincoln Riley is more along the lines of, okay, hey, he's got this program where it needs to be. It's going to be his third year next year. And I I think now you're getting to a point where you're asking yourself, is it heading in the right direction or no? And I'm just curious for you as an SC fan if you feel confident about where it's going. I mean, honestly, it's hard to read the tea leaves in college football in general now because everybody transfers. Right. It's – it's hard to know exactly where your team stands year to year, and, and I'll be honest, I'm not somebody who follows college football close enough that I really know how to how to evaluate, you know, recruiting class and stuff like that. I, I have no idea. But the thing I will say is, a they regressed this year from last year. Whatever reasons you want to give, bottom line is they did. They were not as good this year as they were last year. And then, like, if you look at the issue with the defense, which has been something that's gone on with Lincoln Riley his entire career, but specific with SC, the way he would handle these press conferences, when people would ask him about the defense, and he would treat everybody asking these questions like they were a bunch of idiots who can't understand football and, like, the little intricacies that would explain why giving up 54 points, really the defense is fine. Like, it's your untrained eye that doesn't understand what's going on. Like, I wish... So- I don't cover so you the finally t- get it. You finally understand. Right. Like, I wish somebody had just asked him, okay, fine, explain this to me like you have two trained eyes and I'm a six-year-old. Like, just what's going on that's really good with this defense sure. that we aren't seeing, that you are? Like, just explain it. 
Like, Even last year was kind of fool's gold almost because their their schedule was so light. The only good team that they really played was Utah, and they lost them twice. And they had a lot of turnover luck last year. Their defense maybe didn't give up as many points in every single game, but they got turnover luck because getting a lot of turnovers is almost entirely luck. But, but, right I'm, place, I'm, but yeah. I'm okay to give him credit for that. I, his first year, I was like, wow, okay, hey, they're in the Pac-12 uh, but as soon as he started playing good teams, he lost all of those teams. And, th- and then I was going to say that, and then I'm also willing to take a lot of credit away from him because of the year that he just. I mean, had. look if he didn't have if he didn't have Caleb Williams this year, the team would have been lousy. I mean, like they would have been just flat out lousy. Mm-hmm. And look, you could say that a lot of coaches with this talent, their team wouldn't have been good either. And that's not necessarily a Lincoln Riley thing. What matters is how's Lincoln Riley going to go about trying to fix it, and is he. Is he willing to concede the things that aren't his strengths? You know, like when Sean McVay first took over the Rams, one of the things that really impressed me about him, you know, being a first-time really young head coach that, if we're being honest, is kind of a nepo baby. You know, he, he grew up in he grew up in football, yep. so that makes it easy for him to be dismissed. He got a lot of uh, opportunities because of the McVay last name, and that and that's fine. But somebody like him could have been really defensive about the staff that you build. And you put a lot of other people around you that don't have the slightest chance of ever taking your job because you're insecure. He put good people around him that easily could have been like the guys taken over if he's on the hot seat. Like guys that would have been natural considerations to do that. McVeigh was secure enough to say, I want to be in the best position to win. So I'm going to put people around me that know more than me because I'm just starting out. And that and that that's the mark of somebody that doesn't that knows what they don't know. And it's really important to know what you don't know or know what your strengths aren't. Everybody has weaknesses to some degree. Mm-hmm. All right, let, let's do this. I know we got a couple callers that want to talk on Lincoln Riley, so we'll do that coming up next. Plus, uh Rams got a game coming up against the Saints. And uh, that's at 5.15, Thursday night football on their own. And the Rams got a great, great chance to put themselves a little bit closer to a playoff spot. We'll do all that coming up next. Stay right here. This is the uh, Travis and Sleba Show. Andy Kamenitsky in the house, 710 ESPN. Okay, don't miss the 2023 Subaru Share the Love event, which is happening right now through January 2nd. After this 16th year of sharing the love, Subaru will have donated over $285 million to charity. Uh, visit my good friends over at Sierra Subaru of Monrovia as they are proudly supporting Foothill Unity Center and the Pavlov Foundation during the Subaru Share the Love event. By the way, this is not something that's going on just because it's the holidays. This is what Sierra Subaru of Monrovia and Subaru as a whole does Every single month, they're finding different ways to help out with local organizations. I've personally been a part of Toy Drives, Boys and Girls Club. Um, I love what they do, and I love what their purpose is within the community. To learn more and to get more information, just go to the website, sierrasubaru.com. For more info or visit them just off the 210 and 605 freeway. Again, the website, sierrasubaru.com. Hey, Kay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Went for the holidays? Yep. Yeah? Yes, I am. I just got one more stop. One more quick stop to the mall with everybody else tomorrow. Um, Are you one of those that tries to find parking, or you just park as far as possible and then just walk? I'm more than happy to walk. Like There's a couple secret spots I have for malls that I'm not going to say where they are because I don't want to give them away. No, no, no. I mean that 
it's great parking not in the garage. Got it. I'm not hmm. going to say which malls, and I'm not going to say where, because I want to. I want to keep them. I, I could but see they're you really parking. Good. I could see you parking across the street, like at a a Valvoline or like a, <laughs> a liquor store, and then just telling whoever that owner is of that place, like, listen, I'm parking here, and no one's towing me, and then I just see you walking across the street. I mean, they know who I am. Oh, I get it. They're not messing with my I mean, car. you have a, a YouTube component. I do have a YouTube component. He does component. have a YouTube yeah. component. Yeah. That part is true. Okay, let's take a quick call here. We're talking about SC and Lincoln Riley. George in L.A. wants to weigh in. What's going on, George? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Just real quick, uh, you know, I, I just feel like aside from what you guys are pointing out about defense and him, him questioning the reporters and everyone's common sense, I think it's going to exacerbate the problems going into the Big Ten. I think USC identity is going to take a real – hit here and I say this as a Trojan alum and that you know on the west coast we had it made you know we had this aura about us and you know we could talk about our alumni and, 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 our, and our Heismans and all that but you know Ohio State and Michigan they have their own too and it feels like we're just going to be one of several in the conference now and I don't know that with Lincoln Riley as head coach and the way he does things I, unless there's some drastic change I see us as like one of the middle you know uh, contenders in that conference I'd like to get your uh, take on that. I, well, George, appreciate you calling in. AK, I, I will say this. Um, there is – at no point – I mean, talk about going into a conference, talking about they were average against the below-average teams in the Pac-12 this year. We're talking about the Cal game. We're talking about – there are a lot of games that they could have lost. What happens when now you start going to a region of the country where literally college football is everything? This is it. I mean, this is – it means so much. And I'm not even talking about – I know Ohio State's going to be great. I know Michigan's going to be great. I know Penn State's always going to be incredibly competitive. But those other schools – and I'm not trying to make it sound like it's the SEC, but it does mean so much to them. Um, It is going to be an interesting transition for USC, and not just USC. I think – look at UCLA and how they're going to be competing um, in this uh, this conference. I, I think it's fascinating to see what it's going to look like. Well, I mean, to go back to George's original point, like things Lincoln Riley will or will not be willing to change, it's going to be hard to get the school to make him change a lot of things if he really doesn't want to because they're under contract with him, I assume guaranteed money, for a long time. Like Lincoln Riley has a lot of security, whether you're talking about job security, financial security, or both. Or literally the security in his home that he has. I was going to say, such a beautiful home. He's got like a Tony Stark manner. Like he's he's not worrying about anything. Um, You know, I mean, they eventually. I think there was pressure that eventually led to firing the DC and hiring somebody new. And look, if you want to look, if you want to be optimistic about this with Lincoln Riley, it seems like he is pretty aggressively looking to upgrade the staff around him defensively, heading into next season. What a concept. Well, I mean, did it take too long? Sure. No, but I, I but know what you're saying. if he did it, he did it. You know what I mean? Like, eventually, if he did it, he did it. And truth be told, this may not have been a roster defensively good enough that you could have been in the national championship, you know, truly in that conversation. Maybe the, maybe the talent wasn't entirely there, but certainly the schemes and the coaching weren't there either. Well, and, and listen, ultimately, they're going to get into that conference, and we're going to find out, and we'll start seeing if SC is in a couple years from now, and I know that's not uh, – there's no predicting it, but 
if you'd have told me that in their first year they were going to have as much success as they did and then their second year they were going to definitely take a major step back, that's a little bit surprising. I think what you said about how quickly it could change now in college football because of the portal, because guys are literally moving like free agents, but but AK, not even free agents. I, I don't even think saying free agents – like regular sports is a good example because in the NBA you might have a guy that's under a three four year deal right now in college football these guys can can leave at any moment and and how how much money they're being given because of NIL or what the pitch is going to be to get them to come to your school it can happen overnight well that's why I think it's really important to have the best staff around you because you won't necessarily have the gift of continuity and you're going to be probably building and rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding on a season-by-season basis to some degree. So you really need you really need coaches. You know, obviously talent's going to dictate a lot of this, but you really need coaches who know best how to use their talent because you're not going to be able to necessarily build something that sustains and is there to last. All right, we got the dump coming up next. Stay right here, Travis and Sleeve Show, seven ten ESPN. Okay, Price Picks. It's the largest daily fantasy splats, uh, sports platform in North America. Trav and I talk about it all the time. Uh, I always talk about. It. I put my picks in. Uh, certainly do it, and it's more NBA focused, NBA related. But look how easy this is. It's just you against the numbers. So instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just got to pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in takes about 60 seconds for you to submit your entry and get everything all ready to go. So I put my picks in. Lakers taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves because we just found out LeBron's not playing, Gabe Vincent's not playing. It changes everything. Anthony Edwards, more than or less than 26 and a half points. I'll go more than. Anthony Edwards is a complete stud, uh, puts on a show, it seems like, every single night. And with the Lakers not having LeBron, I think Anthony Edwards will do just that. Anthony Davis. More than or less than 27.5 points. I'll go less than. I'll go less than because AD is coming off what looked like another ankle injury yesterday, was kind of laboring before or as that game was coming to a close against the Chicago Bulls, so I'll go less than. My picks are in. This is how you can go get your picks in and make sure to use our promo code so you get the incentive that um, that Price Picks is offering. Go to pricepicks.com forward slash 710. Use that code 710 for a first deposit match of up to $100. One more time, prizepicks.com forward slash 710. Use that code 710 for a first deposit match of up to 100 bucks. All right, so I'm going to start off with this, uh, AK, and I know we talked a little bit about it. M, feel free to jump in as well. The Ravens feel like they have been disrespected. So uh, I want to read off a quote here from Lamar Jackson. He told reporters this on Wednesday. Um, just a reminder here. The Ravens are playing the 49ers. Uh, is this – it's Christmas game, I think. Yeah, it's playing, Christmas are, Day game. They're both number one seeds. Both number one seeds. But I don't think – I mean, the 49ers are – if somebody – I think if you ask 10 people right now, who do you think is going to win a Super Bowl, you might get – seven of them that are saying the San Francisco 49ers. This is what Lamar Jackson said. He says, I don't want them to pick us. He's talking about them being an underdog. I like being the underdog. I believe we play better when we're doubted and when people aren't choosing us to win the game. I feel like we play better all the time. So just do it all the way to February. That's all I ask. Is it an extreme? Am I missing something here? The Ravens are 
five-point dogs against an unbelievable San Francisco 49ers team. Does that sound crazy to you? Athletes love to have slights, and they often invent slights when the slights don't exist, which is the case for the Baltimore Ravens, who are the number one team in the AFC. They will look for things to be upset about to use as motivational fuel. Michael Jordan was famous for this. Brady was known for it. Like, I remember Kobe talking about how, you know, in trying to play up just his work ethic, but also like the idea of his drive and and I think the motivations that he would build for himself, that, you know, he was never one of the best athletes in the league. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you won a dunk contest, my man. Like, Kobe was not even number eight Kobe. I'm talking about the first few seasons of number 24 Kobe. That dude was a sick athlete. Like, he was an insane athlete. But he would say this sort of stuff because he would look for the edge that's created by the slight. These guys all do it. I was listening to a podcast recently, and it is pretty funny because I think it was DeMarcus Cousins talking about when he would guard Tim Duncan early on. KG had kind of similar quotes. They would try to get to Tim Duncan. They would try to get in his head. They would try to this, try that. And Tim Duncan had a way of just completely dismissing everybody else. But what they were trying to do is motivate themselves, and Tim Duncan would just smile. Like he wouldn't give them mm-hmm. any ammo. Yep. And I think this, Lamar, the reason why I'm using that as an example, I think you're right that here you are, the Baltimore Ravens probably should have lost to the Rams. Um, you know, I know are trying to uh, are, are trying to fight for the top seed in the AFC. If they can find a way to motivate themselves, they're trying to do it. But I don't think it's any disrespect or shade to the Baltimore Ravens. First off, somebody has to be a favorite in every game. Sure. And the San Francisco 49ers are a pretty damn good team to be playing at home and being a favorite. Ravens are a pretty good team, too. So I think that, honestly, the best line might have been three because you get three points to the home team and essentially a pickup because I think that's what this game is going to end up being. Lamar Jackson has only lost one game against an NFC team in his career. So let's just put that in perspective. He could kick the crap out of the 49ers, maybe if he wants to, because Lamar Jackson's a very hard person or very hard player to scheme against if you don't see him very often. So the only teams that really own the Ravens or have beat the Ravens on a regular basis with Lamar Jackson have been the AFC North teams. They are the best matchups because they see him twice a year, every year, if he's healthy. And so teams like the 49ers, you think you've seen what Lamar can do, but I don't know if you've seen it as... uh, to this extent. So I think that it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to decide the MVP because if Lamar Jackson balls out against the 49ers with Brock Par- Purdy there, I think that he could end <laughs> Even up- though Purdy and Lamar didn't play against each other and like one has nothing to do exactly. with the other. But you see him head to head in terms of like the teens against the teens. Uh, this is how it works. Yes, exactly. The best the quarterback on the best team is mm-hmm. always the MVP of the NFL, and I think that it should go to Lamar Jackson. He has way less weapons than Brock Purdy does, and I know that's what Brock Purdy's big downfall is, but he Brock Purdy has the numbers, but it doesn't come down to numbers. Can't wait to watch a game. Tell you that much. Um, what, really what, whatever the hype behind it, I can't wait to watch the game. Um, on this day in 2012, now, AK, if I'm correct, you were in the background of this video. Uh, Gangnam Style becomes the first video to reach 1 billion views. Can you talk about your role on that video? Well, I had to top DeMarco. You know, his appearance with Nelly <laughs> and Ozzy Smith. I'm like, I, 
you know, both we're both, I guess, what sort of Saint, we're St. Louis figures, me and DeMarco. I said, what better way to one up this than being a part of Gungam style? Okay, have you ever watched and and Laura, you can chime in, M, you could chime in. Have you guys ever watched and I don't know if it's this video that got the probably not, but one of his live videos for this song, and he like shoots from the the stage is set up to where they can kind of shoot him up to where he literally shoots up to the stage and then this song starts right away and the crowd is just going absolutely bananas. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but that freaking song, A, will never get out of your head once it starts playing, and B, was so unbelievably popular. One billion views? I didn't even know that was a number that could be that could be uh, hit. Well, it can. And there's, there's a lot of people in the world. There's a lot of people to watch this stuff. But it's, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, something from overseas just catches fire here. And I think that also uh, boosts things a lot. How many of you try to do the dance? Never. Really? No. I try. I do to. it every. I do it every morning. <laughs> <laughs> you wake up, you get out of bed, you stretch every your morning. arms, then you do the Gangnam Style dance. Every morning. On the Peloton, Alex yep. Susan. Got to have the uh, Gangnam Style. And it's not like Sai is a one-hit wonder. Sai is very famous in uh, Korea, but it's just you know here. it's not. Yeah, here he probably is just known for Gangnam Style. And help me out. This, this is the first time I'm seeing this. Um, AJ Brown says the NFL should get rid of Monday Night Football. Yeah, so this has kind of been a little bit of what's been talked about this week with this, the Rams, too. So uh, players, obviously, would love to have the max amount of recovery bet- between each game as possible, which means that you have you know as much rest. So A.J. Brown says this. He says, right after the, he says why he, he, they should get rid of Monday Night Football. Right after the game, you have only a certain amount of time for your body to recover. I think they should take out Monday Night Football. I know it's, I know it's cool, but to turn around after is very difficult, especially when all banged up. So... Cooper Cup and actually Matthew Stafford were talking about the, that this week. Cooper Cup was complaining about playing two games within five days on artificial turf, what it does to your body, what it does to recovery. But again, they're going to suck it up and do it. But I think that um, Travis likes to say that we're going to get football on every night of the week, which I think if we're every talking about... Every night but one, I think, right? Like it's Wednesday or something like that. I think that he said Friday because a... people don't watch sports on Friday or oh, don't yeah, watch yeah, TV yeah. on Friday. Yeah. But I think that they're going to bump up against player health and safety with that because I think that they had in the past this amount of time and that uh, you're going to have more injuries and we don't want that in the NFL. Yeah, I I get the concept of it. I don't know about you, AK, but I don't think we're going to be getting less football. I think we're only going to be getting more football and I I don't think there's going to be a solution to that. No, honestly, we should be be happy that it's only four days a week. Right. Because if the NFL had their way, it would be every single day. Yeah. Right. I mean, I I think... And we would consume it. But probably if quarterbacks start going down more often, if players get good start, start, that's this season exactly, and, yeah. and we're still consuming it. I, Football can be so lousy, right? And, and we are addicted it. to it, like a combo of heroin, meth, and whatever. And and the difference between <laughs> the NFL and the NBA is that the NFL PA has so much less power than the NBA PA does. Because if the NFL PA wanted to say we cannot have any less than X amount of rest between games, hmm. uh, they could do it. But the NFL and the NFL PA do not have the same amount of power with that. Well, I mean, also too the play. It's such a short shelf life for most players in right. the league. They want to grab their money while they can. Of course. So uh, in a lot of ways, they're not arguing because it's like, I, I may only have three years to do this. I don't have time to screw around. Right. Like, I'll take whatever the conditions are. It sucks for them, 
But that's the reality. Because you have to argue, uh, if you're the NFLPA, you have to argue on the behalf of the average NFL player, which is, again, like you said, someone who plays max maybe five seasons. You're not arguing on that behalf of the quarterbacks, necessarily, who are going to be playing for 15 years. So uh, that's, yeah, like you said, that's the issue. AK, hey, how, how would you feel about this? Um, Julian Edelman tells a story of Michael Jordan gambling on him before the Super Bowl and that he comes up to him and says, hey, kid, I got a bunch of money on you. Don't F it up. <laughs> and then just go ahead. Go, go, go take it from there. It's just Michael Jordan that's basically telling you, I'm betting on you. Do not screw it up. And yeah, let's go start the know. game now. I mean, given some of the stories we've heard about Jordan's track record as a gambler, that would make me feel nervous going into the game. Just like, oh, man, Jordan's confident in me? That doesn't feel good. He's, yeah, he's not known as necessarily the world's greatest better. No, not exactly uh, Not exactly known for that. Who's in? Anybody in there yet? Uh, Mace just walked in. Oh, look at Mace. Look at Mace. Okay, do you, do you take, AK, before I ask Mace, I ask you the question, is Mace say I'm going to keep driving around looking for parking at the mall, or is he parking very far away? It's hmm. a good question. What do you think my answer is? I think, first of all, I think Juan does the driving. Well, no, I'm like, I drove, I, I drive places. No, I too. meant like, okay. Juan, Juan sometimes does the distance driving, yeah. The distance driving. But you go to the store. You Mace, go to the I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I you think, park in the back. I, I always park as far away as I was possible. Gonna, that's go. what yeah. I was about to say. Yeah. I picture Mace just grabbing a parking spot and being willing to walk. Because I am I always pay attention to my steps. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I can get some steps this way if I park. Like at, in the West Garage here, I park as far away from the entrance as possible and, and do that walk. So I'm always thinking, how do I get steps? How do I get steps? Park far away. And plus, it's easier to park far away. In this weather, oh, God, brutal. By the way, any anytime you go to uh, John, you there too? Yeah, man. Hey, John. Okay, we got uh, John there as well. Yeah, anytime you go to like Costco or you go to the mall, I never understand the people waiting for like front row parking. Yeah. I'm like, just, just you, you could have been there. I'm already inside by the time that this person ends up parking. I never understand it. That's great. That's yeah, great. Yep, that's great. That's great. Time for a stager? That's great. If that's not the setup for super crosstalk, then what is? Let's do some super crosstalk. Let's do some super crosstalk. Oh, that was great. All right, no, no more no more parking let me, questions. Let me tell you something, Yeah, Steve. no more parking questions. That should Those be on the Mandy Awards right there. <laughs> yeah, that should yeah, be on the Mandy Awards. Uh, you know, that did was not, tremendous. I did not have a line in the chamber. I, had enough, <laughs> I could not think of anything to say, and obviously Ireland and Andy were in the same boat. <laughs> I think I spoke yeah, no, for all not, of us. Yeah, I think everybody said that they park far and that, that we, should, we move on now. Yeah, we move on from there. Let's stick and go. You're going to the game tonight, huh? Yeah. Look at you. All right, so Mace, have you you heard the latest about this game tonight? I I think I know what you're gonna say, but go ahead. Otani and Yamamoto are both coming. Reportedly, really? Oh, Reportedly. come on! Don't kill the bit. What well, do you mean no, reportedly? Repo- they're mean, coming. They're going to be sitting right next to I you. I am. I am absolutely hoping they're there. I said to Bergman, if Yamamoto is at that game. Oh, it's done deal then. It must be a done yeah, deal. Yeah, it's done then. That feels you don't done. go to a Rams game at SoFi Stadium if you haven't already made up in your mind, in your head, that you were going to be in Los Unless, Angeles. what baseball team do they root for in New Orleans? Like, he's actually, he's going, but he's going as a Saints fan. 
and not as a Rams oh, fan. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, it's probably not going to happen. I mean, the Braves, I would think. I don't know. Right, yeah. he's signing with the Braves. Signing with the Braves. He <laughs> is, it. uh, supposedly, I've heard both. I've heard he's either grew up a Yankees fan or grew up a Dodgers fan. I don't know which one, but it sounds like those are the two. Although, Slee, you had, uh, you said Mets and Yankees, right? Buster Olney had something today that Did said he? Mets and Yankees seem to be the two teams fighting it out, which... Look, I, I still have a difficult if you if Shohei Otani is on the Dodgers and Shohei Otani is part of a pitch with Will Smith and Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, I, that one's I, I don't know how they beat it because, you know, it's not going to come down to numbers. They're going to offer whatever numbers it is. Right. But I, I get it. Look, if he ended up signing with one of the New York teams, maybe he's just looking for a little bit more of his own shine. Uh, John Morosi says on a plane to Toronto. Okay. <laughs> no, totally kidding. It's the Shark Tank guy yeah, again. Exactly. It's the Shark Tank guy again. So, uh, Wait, uh, so JP Hoonstra says he's actually signed with Toronto. So that makes it There really you go. JP's got him signed. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's done. Maybe we just don't know. And Carissa Thompson's doing the interview afterwards. Ooh, What's the dog's Everyone name? just taking wow. strays. And the Sports Illustrated profile is fantastic. Wow. Everyone's <laughs> taking strays. Wow. <laughs> should hang, we should hang a banner for that. Yeah, we should. Thank hey, you. we keep adding to it. That's Making friends bet. left and right. Yeah. yeah. Right, May, so so tell, tell, what, how are you feeling about the game? We, we were talking a little bit about it, and maybe I'm just uh, – I'm now sold on the Los Angeles Rams. I, I – I think this is – by the time you get to the fourth quarter, I don't see this being a one-score game. I, I really think the Rams are going to do work. New Orleans has beat nobody this year. Go look back at their schedule. They literally have beat – they have no impressive wins. Hey, I, I want to interrupt this by saying we, we've got Pizza Hut in the studio. Whoa! There you go. Whoa! Whoa! What do we got here? Be careful. Here? Be careful. Uh, by the way, you know, this is – did they okay. bring those brownie oh, bites? This I'm is like the really Hawaiian jealous. pizza, right? The Hawaiian I pizza we got. The brownie bites. Mace, can you show the box of pizza to YouTube so we can all just look at it here for a careful, second? Oh, careful, careful, careful! Don't be. Mm. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, we got these are uh, chicken nuggets. Chicken wings. Chicken wings. Chicken wings. Okay. <laughs> oh, look at that! They baked a chocolate chip cookie into a. This this looks fantastic. Oh man. So, don't forget what? Don't forget the pasta. Don't forget the pasta. Oh my Mason, God. Look at that. Mace, Mace, Mace. pasta. It's the triple treat box. Is that they got everything for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Three courses. We have one more box. What's in the, what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? We had to make sure all you guys had pizza. So. Whoa. Oh, that's a loaded oh, up man. pizza. There you beautiful. go. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, we love our friends at Pizza Hut. Indeed. And uh, if you go to the app right now, the Pizza Hut app, uh, you can use code ESPNLA710 for $10 off any $40 order, which is a great deal. So use the e- the uh, uh, Pizza Hut app and use the ESPNLA10 code for your chance to get a, a good discount. Hey, thank you very much for coming in. We appreciate you. Of course, you heard, right? <laughs> What's that? No, no one out pizza. No hut. one. Thank you. I did. That old school Pizza Hut shirt, by the way, that you're wearing, is it is fantastic. great old school. Yeah, it is so great. nice, nice. Like that's like Pizza Hut when me and Mason Ireland grew up. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, it wasn't that long ago. A couple of years ago. Thank you. Thank you for that. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming in. We appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. So it's funny about Pizza Hut. When I was uh, growing up uh, in uh, Ohio, we used to have Pizza Hut would have a 
bottom, not bottomless, uh, a pizza buffet. Mm-hmm. All you, you could can go eat. back yeah. and over and over and over again. It was fantastic. And we used to cut school all the time and go to Pizza Hut for lunch, which was a pretty regular. So, again. That's a good deal. I think I think I know why, Mace, they stopped doing that. You ever heard Trav tell his story where him and his buddy. I can only imagine what used this to is. Go, look, used to go to this Pizza Hut where it was like. Does this said, story involve parking? No, it is not. No, it's, no, no. This it involves <laughs> they already. Where did they park? Yeah. John, they, they already park they close already or far parked. Away. Close they or far all, away? Yeah, yeah. They close. already parked up to this point. Okay, so you're starting after they parked. After they parked, got it. They were on the Atkins diet or one of those diets where all you're eating is like the cheese, but you're not eating the bread. Delicious. So these guys would go through forty slices. Throw away all the bread, and literally all they were eating is cheese. So I think Trav kind of took away the all-you-can-eat lunch style they used to have. I don't think that's nearly as healthy as they thought it was. I I was going to say, I've never heard of an all-cheese diet. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you never do the Atkins diet? Never. Oh, so when I lived in New York, Dr. Atkins was a regular, the Dr. Atkins was a regular guest on our show, and it was when the Atkins diet was at its peak. And you could eat... Anything that wasn't carbs. So I would like take a hunk of pastrami, throw some cheese on it, heat, uh, fry it up. It was delicious. Just no bread. No Wait, bread, no matter what. Fry it up. <laughs> exactly. Bacon, totally good. I'm calling BS on Dr. Atkins if he approves. Let me that. just tell you, Dr. Atkins, although people lost a lot of weight over the years, and although it is continuing now as they call it a keto diet, which mm-hmm. is basically the same thing, Dr. Ak- Dr. Atkins, uh, not surprisingly, Died of a heart attack. <laughs> Did he really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Really not a good recommendation. Yeah, there used to be this guy. When, Hell, when, fellow uh, well man. I thought some in the, in the 70s, there used to be this guy named Jim Fix, F-I-X-X. I remember this guy, yeah. He was a runner, and he did ads for Grape Nuts, the cereal. Because and he was like was the most healthy. famous jogger. Mm-hmm. Right, and he dropped dead of a heart attack. Dropped dead. See, Grape Nuts are disgusting. <laughs> They're just like little pebbles that you eat. Okay, I'm, they're not I they're like not them. the best, but Excellent. not gonna lie, like I'll, I'll I'll buy them too. Oh, I'll buy I mean, them you gotta too. be like I'm 84. you gotta be seventy five years old. To I eat. like eating them in yogurt. Like you put them in yogurt. Well, they're yeah. okay. I get kind of get that. that Bergman loves grape nuts. I like them, man. Yeah, they're yeah. terrible. They're just so like when we rocks. check into hotels on the road. Sometimes they give us these swag bags. Yeah, when we check in, it's just nuts and water and you know stuff that you would want to have in your hotel room. And for the first time ever. In the swag bags was a small container of fruity pebbles. Oh wow! Hmm. The cereal. Why would they put fruity pebbles in? Going the old swag? school there, especially when cocoa pebbles would be completely <laughs> exactly. available. Yeah, I've just uh, of all the cereals they could have picked, comfort fruity food. pebbles. Comfort well, you know food. the the great thing about fruity pebbles and cocoa pebbles and those is that the most delicious part is the milk after mm-hmm. you've already eaten the cereal because yeah, the milk used is to have a line sugar. about those cereals. He would come downstairs, he'd look at me, I'd be eating like cocoa pebbles. And he'd just shake his head and say, you'd be better off eating the box. Yeah, it's probably true. We used to, uh, Mace, we used to, as kids, I don't know what the hell we were doing. I don't know how my parents allowed this. You'd have, whatever, pick one of the most sugar cereals you could think of. Right. And we would have, literally, we'd be adding uh, teaspoons of sugar to our cereal. Delicious. The end was just milk. And sugar. Milk and there sugar. There was nothing left. That's yeah, all that was. It was fantastic. That was a great, great time. I used to, uh, still the best cereal, let's be honest, 
is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon, cinnamon Toast, toast Crunch, crunch okay is ridiculous. Highly underrated. It is, it is like super high sugar. It is good. They it's, like roll each one of those things in sugar. It is all sugar. <laughs> it is all sugar. <laughs> it's good, though. Somebody told me that Reese's has got peanut butter uh, cereal today. Have you seen Reese's peanut butter cereal? I haven't had cereal in a lot of in a Cereal long time. is yeah. great. If it comes it, it, in the house, I kill it right away. Is it out? Yeah, I think that's I think that's been around for a while. Did you get it at the store? I did not get it. Oh, it's because I, I was wondering where you parked. Where I parked. Yeah, where I parked. Yeah. Where are you parking today at SoFi? Where, where are you going to end up parking? Uh, the pink lot. Pink lot. Pink lot, yeah. By the way, if <laughs> if Shohei not is Not going to wait for a space up front. I'm going to go to the back. Yeah, go to the back. Get my steps. You don't mind the walk. I don't mind the walk. Exactly. If Shohei is there yes. tonight, can you imagine, John, when he and if he decides to go to a Lakers game, what that would be like? Mm. Uh, well, Laker games are weird because he, he there's a possibility he won't be the biggest star there. You know, there you never know who's going to show well, up don't at you, a Laker. Don't you game. think he's like star. one of the biggest stars in the world, and his first visit's going to be a gigantic deal? Well, yeah, but I mean, if he shows up and you know Jay Z shows up on the same night, but, but people, we've seen Jay Z. That, that's Laker exactly games. what I was going to say. We've this, seen all the different. big stars. Like Denzel's going to be. Well, yeah, but Denzel, we've DiCaprio, seen at Lakers games. Sure. DiCaprio, would be he's a, there a lot. As we know from this past Friday, what would make Shohei an indisputable star in the building is if he brings his dog. I'll tell you what. You bring that big fluffy doodle to a game, and, like, that is <laughs> – and it was – I didn't even realize this. I was watching the game, and so I saw the, the doodle bouncing around there, and I didn't realize that BBGo sponsored the doodle. Yeah, I had some thoughts about this. I, I got very into it because the game certainly was disappointing. Yes, it was. Along. I felt like okay, two weeks we, of Lakers basketball. In the beginning, I thought it was a comfort dog, and I'm like, okay, comfort dog culture's out of control because I love dogs. I'm a dog person. I own a dog, but my like, understanding is it was a service dog. Well, no, I it, the service is getting likes on <laughs> yes, Instagram. Exactly. I think. It's an influencer <laughs> a million dog. Followers. But then once I realized it's an influencer dog, which makes the dog the star, I felt like the dog should be in the chair and the handler should be underneath the chair. Right, right. Because the dog's actually the star. By the way, I I heard it's how many I heard it's six million. A million. Is it one? I heard it yep. was six. I heard Beto told me more than that. Because what I heard was, I read a piece today that uh, BBGo got them there in order to get a post on the Doodles Instagram account. Well, I mean, it which worked. is valuable. It was a big deal. Yeah, it was a gigantic deal. Um, yeah, I I would like to get. I maybe you can work this out, John, because you're over there with the Lakers. I would like to bring Veronica, uh, my dog Veronica, to a game. She's a service animal. Do you think you can get me uh, and Veronica? Come on, yeah. John. Let's yes, do it. I do because you you have more money than anybody at the station, and <laughs> BBGo invests with the Lakers like a hundred million over ten years. Nice. So you give the Lakers a hundred million, and you can bring Veronica. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to think about that. There you go. Done. <laughs> Not happening. No. No. I can't. You know why? Can't figure out oh. where to park. <laughs> <laughs> I help you out. Just, yeah, I, I know a guy. Slee, I I, I thought it was a great bit. I would like to play that. Um, yeah, let's play it back. <laughs> we should play, play that back. The <laughs> reaction to Slee's question. <laughs> I can't remember the last time that happened on Crosstalk. We've got four people here, and all yeah, of a nobody, sudden there's ten. You guys want to say something, or nobody <laughs> wants to say anything? Everybody just said, "I'm." Well, out. I mean, in fairness to me, Alan and I had already talked about this a lot. Like, I felt like I'd mined all the material from yeah, where I parked. Well, how much <laughs> material is right. there really? Yeah, I, I, I really was kind of out of bullets at that point. Yeah, I was yeah. looking for you and John. Slay, what do you do for? Uh, I, I heard you go to mass. Yeah, I'll be going to mass. We're t- 
Okay. The reason why we're talking about it is because Christmas Mass is always the Mass where Absolutely. you got to show up yeah. so early. The Mass is already longer than it needs to be. I mean, we still got time, but it, Christmas Eve, I will go to Mass, and that's kind of been tradition since I was a kid. I like going to Mass on Christmas Eve. I, You know, they have a thing called C&E Catholics. You basically show up for Christmas and Easter, and that's and it. And Easter. Uh, and I do like the Midnight Mass. It's it's really cool. Um, you know, they do like a nine-minute remix of uh, Oh Holy Night. and uh, <laughs> the, the remix? The priest is totally on his game for <laughs> Christmas Eve. Like, he's saved up all yeah, the no, best, no, material best material for Christmas Eve. Yeah. He's workshopped it. He's gone around the country. Guys, I, I hate to interrupt this, but um, just real quick on the parking situation. Go ahead, Laura. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Laura, what do you got? I mean, what's the deal? <laughs> yep, yeah, that's good. Yep, it's good stuff, guys. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay, appreciate it. Okay, <laughs> good to see everybody. I <laughs> Thank you all for your time. I actually thought that was Sliwa restarting it again. I didn't <laughs> realize. <laughs> Yo, that oh, that was you, the you didn't realize that was the tape. You that's thought he actually went into the bit. I again. thought Alan that was, was trying to salvage it by just. You know what? Let no, me bring up. No, the there's three, no salvaging that. that three other people saved. with me. Nobody there to help me <laughs> yeah, out. Super nobody. Crosstalk is brought to you by In and Out Burger. We'll throw In and Out Burger. That's what a hamburger is all about. Mason Island coming up next.